Hello, it's Thursday, August 6, 2020, and this is the latest edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and this is a daily look at what's going on and what is ahead. Today's installment materializes courtesy of the French Press, open every day from 7 to 7 in Waynesboro for delicious coffee and light treats. Order in advance on the Clusive app or call ahead at 540-221-6568. See you there at the French Press. Virginia has become the first state in the nation to roll out a mobile app intended to track COVID-19 cases and alert users if they have been close to any positive cases. Governor Ralph Northam made the announcement yesterday. This app, COVID-wise, does not, I'm going to repeat that, does not track or store your personal information. It does not track you at all. It doesn't rely on GPS or your personal information. And while we want everyone to download it, it is voluntary. Northam said people who are alerted are advised to get tested as soon as possible and to quarantine. You are in control. All of this is your choice to download the free app and to use it. But I hope Virginians across the state will use this. Northam also said rapid COVID-19 testing will come to Virginia thanks to an interstate compact entered into with several other states. These antigen tests have already been approved for use by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Antigen tests are different from the PCR test, which is primarily what Virginia and other states use. As we are seeing days in test results on PCR tests, we believe this compact is a way to get faster testing. Each of the states hopes to purchase 500,000 antigen tests, and Northam said it is intended to signal to the pharmaceutical companies that there is a demand for the tests. He said efforts to conduct contract tracing have been hampered by long delays for tests. The new test results are expected to come back within 20 minutes. We want everyone to get tested if you think you need to. Dr. Keith Jones is the pastor of Shiloh Baptist Church in Norfolk. He is involved in efforts to get more people tested in black communities and said the COVID era is shining a light on fractures in society. It's shown us the need to have people who sit on boards of caring agencies who actually know something about the communities that they advocate for. This pandemic fixed a glaring beam on all types of racial, policing, and most of all, health care disparities. Dr. Jones said more genuine efforts need to be made to make sure people have access to information, including boosting broadband and Wi-Fi. He and other pastors in the Hampton Roads area made a video of themselves getting tested and are holding testing events in their churches. Governor Northam will attend a virtual town hall on the future of policing in Virginia beginning at 6 p.m. tonight. The Virginia Department of Health is reporting another 818 cases of COVID-19 this morning for a cumulative total of 95,867. Another 25 deaths have been counted for a total of 2,299. The seven-day average for PCR tests has risen to 7.3%. The City of Charlottesville's Economic Development Department has announced an initiative to promote the city's key commercial districts. The city will use funding from its CARES Act allocation to install signage with reminders on physical distancing, install hand sanitizer stations, and to provide 5,000 facial coverings directly to businesses. 
On-street parking spaces that have been set aside for curbside pickup will be made permanent, and there will be free parking in the Water and Market Street parking garages on Saturdays and Sundays through the end of the year. In a release, the city states that approximately 20% of the city's annual revenues come from consumer-driven tax revenues. The Madison County Board of Supervisors voted just before 2 a.m. this morning to approve a special use permit for an agritourism resort, according to the Madison County Eagles Facebook page. Orange County resident Barbara Miller had filed an application for an event center attached to a hemp farm on Route 231, close to Montpelier. Opponents said the proposed Cressere project is out of scale with the community. According to the master plan for the project, the project includes a 12,000-square-foot event center, a 7,000-square-foot welcome center and restaurant, and space for up to 230 overnight guests. The Jefferson-Madison Regional Library will consider changing its name, as well as the name of the main meeting room in its downtown Charlottesville branch. Director David Plunkett said JMRL's mission was updated last year to reflect an awareness of the system's problematic past. Uh, The public library of today strives so hard to be free and open to the public. Um, That service wasn't available for Black families for a long time in the area here. So that kind of buy your bootstrap story about public libraries being a cornerstone to educate Americans um, and help them better their lot in life just wasn't available for Black families. The first library in Charlottesville opened in 1921, but a segregated library for black people did not open until 1934 and closed in 1948. Plunkett said the library is working with filmmaker Lorenzo Dickerson on a documentary. He said a working group will consider the library's naming convention and whether the current name of the system is a barrier to access for people. Plunkett said the entire staff of the library has gone through racial awareness training using something called the groundwater approach. It was really, I think, eye-opening for a lot of staff to just see number after number after number that really showed um, a a disparity in inequity in this country. And then that opened up a conversation for us about, well, where do libraries fit into that? And, and, And not only where have libraries participated in these systemic inequalities in the past, but also what we can do to help uh, to help knit those together in the future. Plunkett's comments came during a panel discussion held last night on race and representation in library collections. Meredith Dickens is JMRL's collections manager. We want to make sure that everyone who walks into the library sees materials that fits their needs, maybe mirrors them, um, allows them to see their voice in the collection and their story, but also allows them to learn about other voices and stories. So even when you are a white library patron, you need to be able to learn about people other than white people. Um, so, so we need to just make sure that there is as broad a range of materials as possible. In government meetings today, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors will hold a public hearing at 6 p.m. on the future of Confederate representations in Court Square. That's the county seat and the location of the general and district courts. Albemarle has been holding a series of community engagement efforts on the topic. One of those was on July 20th. Here's UVA historian Kurt Van Dach with some context about how the Jim Crow era got started. The Confederacy fails after a four-year attempt to create a slaveholding empire, and Virginians and the locals return, right? They supported that effort. They're unwilling to accept the social, economic, and political realities of defeat. And this includes, in 1865, more than 14,000 freed people. So by the 1880s, they are steadfastly committed to reimagining the war and the past 
Um, right. And this is reimagining it in a way that explains away defeat. The board of directors for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission met virtually, meets virtually tonight at 7 p.m. Among the items are the funding agreement for the rent and mortgage relief program that the TJPDC is administering, as well as a framework for how the agency will support broadband expansion in its member counties. They'll also consider a proposal to purchase property. The Charlottesville School Board will meet at 5 p.m., and among the items on the agenda is a discussion of how child care, special education, preschool, and nutrition will be handled as the school system begins the academic year online only. And that's it for this edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast. If you've enjoyed listening to it, or if you have a question, please drop us a line. And please send it on to a friend or a family member. We're hoping to continue to make this a community resource that can get you engaged with the community. I'm Sean Tubbs, and thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another installment.